Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to episode 69 today. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, are you melting uh, yet, brother? You know, man, I'm down here in Houston this week, and um, it's hot. It's hot. <laughs> it's hot. It's humid. Um, but, it, you know, I've had a great time down here. Got to meet some good people. Um, got to see Brian Mon, who, you know, filled in for you a few weeks ago, and uh, some other folks at the Viper Dinner. And, uh, you know, it's been a good week, Josh. It's been a good week. A lot happened in the news, and uh, excited to be back on the show. Yeah, a lot of stuff coming out this week. You know, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting uh, much in the Texas Roundup with M&A, but Seems like every time I check, there was just something else to add in. So certainly some some stories we want to cover. Uh, yeah, Ryan did. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah with our with the prediction from Drilling Info, you know, the Texas Roundup may actually end up being the biggest segment of the show if, if they're right about the uh, the fifty billion dollars in M and A activity coming up. So we might have to have a just a whole a whole segment of a show just for that. But and speaking of Drilling Info, Josh, let's go ahead and plug our sponsor, which is Drilling Info. Um, you can get a hundred free dollars. By going to globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse. That's globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse today. Get a free $100 credit. Um, you know, everywhere I go, I talk to someone, and a lot of folks in the industry are using this. If you haven't, you need to get signed up um, today. Well, Ryan, uh, last week, uh, I guess it would be this week, uh, for our listeners, it'll be last week, we had a, a veteran that sent us an email, reached out to us, and uh, he has an email I'm going to read here in just a moment, but. Uh, Ryan, do you, uh, have you talked to this Ethan before, or is this the first time you've been in contact with him? No, Ethan um, sent me an email and was, you know, asking about some job stuff. I said, well, why don't you just send it in to the show? Um, we'll read the email on the show or get, get you know, guys' permission, and um, you know, would be happy to give my best stab at the answer on the show. But also, you know, we might have a listener out there who is looking for, um, you know, something that the kind of skill sets that he had, and so. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about, Josh, and it's really true, is we really try to work with our listeners and help them out any way we can. It doesn't always work out, obviously, and we can't always do everything, but we do our best to really reach out and connect with our listeners because if it's not for you guys, it's just me and Josh talking to ourselves, and uh, that's just, you know, we do that enough as it is, so. That's right. Well, Ryan, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read the read the email, and then uh, and then we'll we'll uh, briefly discuss it for, for a moment before we, uh, before we kind of give an answer and move on. So the email is, uh, it says, Ryan, I'm a 31-year-old, slightly disabled veteran who left the military to pursue a career in oil and gas. My family has a long history in oil and gas, and when it came to re-enlist, or it came time to re-enlist, I had a child on the way. I felt that I needed to choose between being around for my child as a, as a civilian or away at sea as a sailor, and so I went to college. Completed my degree at LSU in May 2018 after four years while raising my family, and during that time, I also held two internships. One internship was with Hess Corp in Seminole, Texas, which was focused on production, and the other was with Bureau of Safety and Environmental Enforcement out of Lafayette, Louisiana, which was focused on all things regulatory, although I did get to fly offshore a few times. I had some difficulty with a couple of math classes during my degree program and graduated with a 2.95 GPA, which was seemingly cut me down at the knees when trying to obtain entry-level positions as a drilling production or a reservoir engineer. Many companies say they don't. They won't even look at my application if my GPA isn't over a 3.1. Well, drilling will be my first choice. I've been applying to all of 
specializations. No employer has connected contacted me for an interview. Most employers do not even follow up to tell me that I was declined as a candidate. I must have applied to over 100 positions by this time. Each application feels harder to complete than the last. I've noticed a plethora of jobs available for candidates with two or more years experience. If I can't get the experience, then I can't get the job. And if I can't get the job, then I can't get the experience. Ron, I just don't know what to do. Is it realistic for me to expect there's a job out there for me somewhere, or is it time for me to set my sights on a different goal? Thank you, Ted. Question. I love your show. Respectfully, Ethan Smith. Yeah, and so first off, thank you for the service to our country. We appreciate that. Um, so let's, let's let's unpack this now. There's two things that I would say personally um, that I would recommend to anyone who's looking for a job in the business. One was an article I wrote for the RWA uh, back. I think it was last year or year before last. It was talking about how to get a job during the downturn. And those same principles apply at any point in time, but they really apply during a downturn. Um, so you can probably Google Ryan Ray, RWA, Industry Downturn. If we can find a link to it, we can link to the show. Put the show notes. Yeah. Um, so that would be my general advice. And, and really, the mentality there is you, you – know, I'm going to explain why I wrote that article in a second. Um, but the mentality there is I think the mentality that you need to have – if you're struggling to find a job. Um, also, we have a book out. Obviously, Alfonso and I, um, Col- uh, Colin Botto wrote a book, Careers in the Oil and Gas Industry, a guidebook of practical advice. You can pick that up on Amazon. Um, now, that's you know, so, so those are two different tools from two different perspectives. So I would sit back, if it was me, and I was struggling to try to get a job. Um, I kind of work out like this. Um, one thing my dad told me a long time ago, Josh, and he was talking about someone else, but he, I was there. He said, you know, this person was struggling with their business and he asked the person, what is the fastest way to cash a check? What's the quickest way to cash a check? Because this person was struggling with cash flow. He goes, how do you cash a check? You know, don't go after the huge sale. How can you cash a check today? And you know, I thought that was a really brilliant piece of advice. If you're struggling with, with, with making money, you need to cash a check. So how do you cash a check? Um, so for me, I would look at it and say, okay, I want to work in oil and gas and I want to be a petroleum engineer. Now, as I said on this show before, I don't have a college degree. So any job that requires a college degree, you know, I'm automatically out of the running for, which means that I look at things just a little bit differently because I know I have to work a little bit harder. I have to think about things a little bit differently because I don't have that degree. So from what I've heard, and tell me if I'm wrong, Josh, it sounds like he's applied a lot um, and that the GPA is part of the issue and maybe a lack of experience um, or kind of the things that are holding him back. Have I, is that kind of the summary of what you got? Yep. Money? Okay. So here's what I would do. I would look at it like this. I would say, okay, what would it take to get a 2.9 to a 3.1 GPA? That's one option. Now, I'm not, you know, maybe you can do it, maybe you can't. Maybe it takes, maybe you don't have the time, energy, and effort. I don't know. That's one thing because you said a 3.1 would do it. But to be honest with you, you have a petroleum engineering degree. They're only looking at your GPA right now, I would suspect. If you can get a job at a small producer, um, Maybe not exactly the job you want, but close. You can then transition into that job. So here's what I would do if I'm looking to work for a company. Um, if you're going to work, and this is one thing we do talk about in the book, is the pros and cons of working for these big companies. If the big companies are saying no, there are thousands and thousands of small companies out there who would be happy to have you with a 2.9 or a, you know, a 3.0 or, or whatever. Um, and so you start there and you say, you know, hey, I want to work on a job where um, I can get the job and – you know, I want to be a petroleum engineer. And they may say, well, I'm sorry. You don't have the experience and the GPA is not good enough. I say, well, what's one step removed from that job? And they'll say, you know, this is what we have available here. Take that job. If it's two steps removed, you have the 
you have the college education. So get yourself in position to where you can work towards that because you have the degree, um, but you might not be just for whatever reason uh, qualified to get these jobs. But, you know, two years, three years, four years, whatever it is, at some point in time, no one's going to look back at your GPA. You don't go to your lawyer's office uh, 10 years from now if he's been out of college, if he's 45 years old and say, hey, what was your GPA? You don't even care. Now, if he's fresh out of college, what do you say? Well, where, you know, where were you at in your class? And that, there's a reason for that because you don't have any reason to validate that this person is going to be good at their job. And so you hope that some arbitrary standard of a GPA um, is, is is what you're going to be able to take and do that. So if a, if a new lawyer come out and he wanted to say, I want to represent your business, you'd say, well, do you have any cases? Well, I did some internships. Yada, yada. Where did you go to school? I went here. Well, what was your grades like? And he said, well, 2.9. You may be like, eh, I don't want that. Three years from now, though, he's been doing it for three years, you're not going to call and say, what's your GPA? It's just not how it works. Um, so look at it like that. Look at it saying, if the GPA is really the hindrance, and I don't know if it is or not, but, but just taking you at your face value, if it is the hindrance, this is your dream job. Here's one degree of separation. Here's two degrees of separation. Those jobs at some point don't require that same level of GPA, uh, that same, those same requirements. You can get one of those jobs, and you can transition in there. Or... Find a small company that doesn't have those requirements and get that job. Um, and so you, you go, how do you find small companies? Go pull the drilling permits from the Texas Railroad Commission. Go pull all the drilling permits in, for the last year and say, have I called all these people? Have I applied at all of these people? Um, and if all if, if all that fails, Josh, you can't get a, the job you want in a small company or you can't get a job two to three degrees separation at a big company, at that point, what I would do is I would call these companies up mid to small levels and I'd say, I tell you what, um, I'll take any job you have in the industry and swallow the pride a little bit, get the experience. If you are a hustler in the oil and gas industry or any industry, you can get to where you want to be. Um, you have the petroleum engineering degree. It's recognized as one of the toughest degrees in the world um, as far as just how hard it is. It's one of the top 10 degrees, I think. So you have that as your advantage. Use it. And if that means you got to go and do something you don't want to do for a while, that's fine, but you have the capacity to work towards it. So I would look at it from multi-pronged. You know, do I go back and take two or three classes, get the GPA up? No, I don't want to do that. Okay, then I'm, I'm going to call all the small companies. Do, are they going to hire me? No, they won't. Then I'm going to say, well, what's two or three degrees of separation from the job I want? Let me go try one of those jobs. And just, just keep working the system, working the system. And the final thing is you might realize that the job that you're applying for now, once you do it, is not even the job that you really want. You might you know, you might want to be a manager or you might want to do something else. So just keep that in mind, too, that you might be frustrated now, but um, getting out there and getting into the industry, you might find, you know what, I actually like doing something else even more. It's great advice, Ron. And I have I have some of your finding a job in the downturn. I have the PDF saved here. So I'm going to try to get that in the show notes uh, when we get this up. Yeah, we can link, just put a link to that. We'll put a link to it in the, um, in the article. But what about you, Josh? I mean, you know, anything there we didn't cover or missed or what do you think? Well, you know, I, I think uh, I, I think the best advice for uh, for Ethan would be uh, kind of along the lines of what you're saying is the the GPA question is a temporary question. Mm-hmm. That question goes away with a little bit of experience. Uh, so the the goal is to try to figure out how to have an end to one of those jobs where you can. Do something like, a, like you said, maybe one step removed from the job you want. Work in that industry for like twelve months, and then try to try to transition. Uh, because once you once you get in a position and you transition from one to the other, the GPA is the question. It's your work ethic. It's how well you've done or whatever. Uh, your your boss's recommendation. 
Um, there's lots of other factors that will be considered at that point. And, uh, but I, I know, I know when I came out of college trying to get a job, that was the key for me as well. GPA was a question, but, uh, that, that question quickly evaporates once you actually get into a job that's, uh, in the proximity of the job you want, uh, and you work there for a little while. So, uh, I think, I, I think that's about as good as he could do. And I, I think going back to school, trying to raise that GPA, that's, that's tough. Uh, but it, it's yeah, just marginal I mean, effects. So. It's it's easier for me to say because I don't have a degree, so I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what kind of a pain that is. But it is an it is an option though that you do have to consider if you're saying that you know I, I need to get this if you're if you're really dead set I need to get this type of job and I have to get it and the GPA is a hindrance. Well, then there's only one viable solution, um, which is to go back and raise the GPA. But if you're saying if you want to look at other options, I think there are. It will also at least link to Ethan's. Um, LinkedIn. I got his permission to link to his LinkedIn in the profile and so uh, uh, LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So we'll link to that. So if folks are out there and they're looking for a petroleum engineer um, who's getting ready to graduate and a U.S. Navy uh, veteran, then we'll link to Ethan's uh, profile there as well. And we hope it's helpful. Um, you know, I think that you just got to be opportunistic. And um, to the downturn article, one of the things that I noticed um, during the downturn was you'd get on LinkedIn and someone would post for a job and people would click go look at my resume on my LinkedIn page. And I remember thinking, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. If you want the job, you really have to show that you want it. Um, and so just, just get that, that, that tenacious mindset of I've got to get the job. And sometimes, and we talked about this before, Josh, on this show, sometimes um, people, and I'm, I'm talking about Ethan particularly here, just in general, sometimes people, um, they feel like they have to get this job with this pay or they're not going to be happy or satisfied, or they're they're devaluing themselves. Let me just say now, for the most part, that's all hogwash. If you need, if you gotta get, if you gotta feed your family, you gotta get checked in the bank. Get the best job the market will give you, wherever that is, and then you can figure out the rest later. Because once you start getting the experience, man, I've been I've been in the industry since 2005, and I'm 33. So. I don't have a college degree. I don't have an MBA. I don't have a lot of things, but I do have that experience. And so, if that's valuable to someone, that's great. That's what I can bank on. Yep, yep. So that, that that's the that would be the key is really to do what you need to do to start gathering experience in the industry and uh, and and let that open some doors to get you closer to the job you want. Uh, because that there's definitely jobs available. Um, not necessarily the job you want, but there's definitely opportunities where you can kind of work your way up that ladder. Well, Ryan, we have uh, some news came out. I don't know if, if you watch much news, Ryan, but if, if you were uh, watching Fox or CNN or whatever whatever it is you watch, they, there's a lot of talk about the Russian summit uh, with Trump went to, I believe it was Helsinki, and, uh, and, or Helsinki, or Helsinki, I don't speak Russian. So uh, anyway, uh, Trump and, and Putin had a meeting, and there's been lots of stuff in the news, but one of the things that has been interesting to me, Ryan, is um, what, if you look at the, the Trump presidency and the policies he's been enacting, they've actually been a lot tougher on, on Russia um, than the, really the previous two to three presidents. He's had some pretty tough uh, policies taking aim at uh, not only Russian gas, but uh, other, other ways that Russia has kind of dominated the energy uh, along with you know, the Saudis. So um, looking at Looking at some of the things they're targeting is they're planning to boost some U.S. Uh, LNG exports to Europe, and this is going to be competing directly with uh, with Russian gas. So, I mean, in, in, any thoughts you have, Ron? I know you have uh, to, to some other podcasts and kind of look at the global scene pretty often. But 
this seems to be a very important issue for, for Texas with Permian and all the gas production that comes as a byproduct of the oil drilling. Uh, it seems to be something that if we could capitalize on some different LNG exports, it could really be profitable. Right. Yeah. So let, let's just take this uh, this elephant a couple bites at a time. So the first thing is, um, I think I made my stance pretty clear on government and how they just mainly cause problems, don't help help things. Um, and President Trump has done some good things and he's done some bad things. And I think on this show we don't talk about it often, but we do try to when we talk about it, try to be fair on what we think Trump does right, what he does wrong. We're not homers for um, Trump. I'm not a homer. I don't speak for Josh. I'm not a homer for Trump by any stretch of the imagination or any other president of the United States, just because I think they mess stuff up more than help. And this is part of the deal here, Josh. Um, if you look at what Trump said. Um, he criticized, I think it was Germany, for buying so much um, gas from Russia, right? Um, and that was one of his complaints, that you're buying all this gas from Russia. Well, part of the problem is it's just cheaper for Russia to sell it to Germany or, or anywhere in Europe. They're right there. You know, we have to ship it across seas. Now, pro- part of that problem is is that there's a lot of pros- uh, um Issues with the permitting and the processing, it takes forever, and fighting environmentalist groups and all this stuff. And so it makes it very difficult. And so if you look at what's going on, you know, it's, it's an interesting deal because Trump has ran on this America First uh, energy policy. And, um, you know, I think here's where you see there's kind of, it's not always clear cut how America First energy policy works because well, you, know, you, you have to get rid of these um, these various regulations and you need the Senate, Senate to do that or Congress to do that. Um, you got to get the FERC involved and all these things. And so um, I, I know what he's saying, but at the end of the day, I, I would be curious and maybe there's someone who has ran these numbers could come on. I'd be curious to see if we could increase the number of LNG plants in the U.S. and open more terminals and all this type of stuff. How would that cost compare to Russia's exports? Because I, I, I don't know then if it is st- would still be cheaper. You know what I'm saying? Because you still have to ship it all the way across the sea. Maybe it would be. I don't I don't have those numbers. I suspect, and this is just a guess, strictly a guess, right at goldbergjimmy.com if you have more insight on this. I would suspect it would still be cheaper for Russia. Maybe not. At the end of the day, I think that um, Trump's argument does hold some weight, though, which is we're, we're the ones that fund NATO for the most part um, as far as percentages go. Therefore, you know, you guys, you, you want us to fund NATO to protect you from Russia, and yet you buy energy from Russia. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So if you're scared of Russia, why are you buying energy from them? Because they cut it off, and then you could, you know, you'd, you'd be in the dark. So why don't you buy your energy from us? So I think that's a fair argument to make. Um, from a market standpoint, it seems more practical to buy it from Russia. But I do get what Trump's saying, though. Hey, if you're so scared of them, why are you putting, you know, it's like going to the mob. You're scared the mob may beat you up if you don't pay them back. Well, don't borrow money from them, right? Yeah. Well, you know, one question I have, Ryan, is uh, this may be like the dumbest question I've asked on the show, but uh, does Russia, are they having some of the same issues that we are with the amount of surplus gas that they're getting when they drill oil? Because I know Permian, we don't, we don't even have to drill for it. We have, we're having to just burn it out, you know, uh, flare it uh, because we just too much to deal with. So I wonder, I wonder if the cost uh, involved there, uh, from the aspect that it's a byproduct here, if that allows us to have more margin, that allows us to compete with Russia, because they may be drilling specifically for gas, right? Right. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great question. Um, to my, I, I'll talk to on Energy Week podcast. I will, if I remember, I will bring it up to Ellen and ask her because she might know that answer. I do not know that specific answer um, to that question. But you know, Russia is over there. They are closer, and just logistically. 
it just seems like it's a it's a tough one to climb. Um, but but you know what? Um, I don't think it's impossible to do. It's just that we do have to get some things, you know, getting this permitting process sped up. Um, we're moving some of these regulations. You know, that those are the types of things we have to do to compete. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had another uh, article that came out speaking of some of this LNG and flaring and all of that. There was a, from one was a Texas Observer, a report about uh, drilling, especially in, in regards to methane, or making people sick in areas where there is more drilling. Now, Ryan, I will tell you, I read through the article. Uh, I saw this headlining in the news. Every every six weeks or so when I'm doing some searches, I will see some sort of environmentalist uh, approach to trying to undercut the oil and gas industry kind of circulates. Sometimes I like to mention it just so that our listeners are aware of what kind of articles are going on, uh, the, the, the media's opinion of the oil and gas industry. I think it helps to know some of the stuff so that people kind of know what, what's going on behind the scenes sometimes. But what they're arguing for here uh, is that uh, in places where they have increased drilling, that there has been methane uh, from, this, from this drilling that are making people sick in the area. Now, <clears throat> there's, not a lot of, there's not a lot of science. There's not a lot of uh, measurements to tell you how much methane is in the air or increases in, in terms of that. It just seems to be a lot of uh, a lot of dramatized, emotional, emotion-based. Um, you, know, you read the article, Ryan. What was your take on it? Well, my first take on it is this is why I don't like reporters. Like this is exactly why this guy, and I don't know Christopher Collins who wrote the article, might be a nice guy, but he's an investigative journalist. Okay, um, and so I read this piece, Josh, and. Again, we go to stuff we said on the show before. We, if the oil, if we feel like the oil and gas industry has done something wrong, we have said multiple times they need to own it, right? So there, there's mm-hmm. no, and because that's best for everyone. There's no reason to um, try to hide stuff because what happens when you hide stuff is the government comes in and smacks down that regulation on you, and then guess what? You're complaining because there's too much regulation. Um, so, so what we're seeing here with this piece is that there's um, people who are saying that they're sick from. Um, the methane emissions and other emissions as well. Okay, and so they had they have headaches and you know these various you know symptoms that started after the um, you know after the drilling happened. Now I'm not I don't know. That's my first time saying I don't know. Maybe it's causing it. Maybe it's not. I'll, I do know this, Josh. I didn't have nearly as many headaches until after I got married. Now I'm not saying my wife caused headaches, but. I didn't have a lot of headaches and I got married and I got a lot of headaches. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not saying it's her, but, but you know, maybe it's her. No, I'm kidding. I love my wife, of course, but it's, it's just, but that's, that's, that's not evidence. That's just, that's just something. These people were sick. Maybe something else. Maybe it is this. In this article, what's so frustrating to me is you read this piece and at the end of it, there is no balanced view. You got Earthworks, who we talked about before. They are... You know, they are super, uh, you know, they're big into hyperbole and over the top and it's really silly, in my opinion. Um, and so you read this piece and at the end, you're frustrated because you go, okay, if this is an issue that can be proven, um, then we need to fix it. But this piece right here does nothing to help the case for anyone who's trying to be fair. It's just, it's just not because everything is negative. There's no balance. There's no second opinion. There's no um, other studies that are linked to. I mean, it is, it's, you know, so for to call yourself an investigative journalist, and just so we're clear, everyone, if you listen to other shows, I'm just as hard on journalists who are pro oil and gas. So if Mr. Collins hears this, it's not just you, sir. 
this is the problem with journalism today um, is that you sit here and you go, well, I don't even know. I mean, there, there's, you know, there's no, this isn't science. This is just saying that this is, this is a fact and this is a fact, but causation and correlation, you know, we, we know, we know how that works, Josh. Yeah. You know, even some of the, you know, the hyperbole you mentioned where it says that she's getting up and she's gasping for breath. And it just seems to be, to be over the top. And, and it's coming from, coming from a perspective of how are they feeling? What are their symptoms? But there's nothing that tells us anything about their medical standing before the, the oil and gas uh, increased drilling. Uh, there's nothing about I, – I, I think it would be great if you could just show the increase in methane gas in the air around the area. Like if they would have set up something that measured the, you know, the elements in the air and they, they did it before the drilling, during the drilling, and the peak drilling, and there's a drilling slowed down to show how much methane, more methane is around their house – or around the, in their breathing, that they're breathing, that would be something you could you could measure and then say, okay, we're going to do a better job and keep these levels under a certain amount. Um, because I, I definitely think it's it's something that we want to, if there is causing issues, we need to know and we need to fix it. But uh, the, you know, articles like this are, are working against, I think, making progress because I read the article and just assume it's garbage. Um, right. And, and just so we're clear, Josh and I are not saying that the people – that are out there that are that are feeling the symptoms. We're not saying they're not sick. We're not saying that they're a liar. We're not saying any of that. What we're saying, I think, at least what I'm saying is, is that we're not sure that this is the cause. It could be the cause. It could, it may not be the cause. But there's ways to figure this out. And this piece doesn't really seem like it's interested in actually discovering for an investigative journalist at least discovering if this is what's going on it seems like it's more interested in putting out a hit piece and mr collins is welcome to come on the show and have a civil discussion if that's of interest to him um but yeah i mean at the end of the day josh listen there 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 are things that the oil and gas industry does that you can look at and say that wasn't very smart that wasn't very good that wasn't very safe okay that's that's fine and dandy but when you get to hear when you get to hear if it if it turns out if it turns out that hey, um, you know this isn't the problem, well, no one's going to remember that this this piece was published and that was disproven, because you know they'll just remember how bad this piece was. And the final thing I'll say is this is what frustrates me. There's a map on this article and it says the threat map. This is the caption. The threat map shows health impacts from oil and gas and air uh, oil and gas air pollution. The threat is calculated is is calculated based on proximity of people, schools, and hospitals, ozone smog levels, and other air pollutions, courtesy of Earthworks. So you have a, a map that's in the kind of a black, uh, it's just black and gray with yellow on top of it, um, superimposed on top of it. And the yellow is just simply where people drill at, where there's oil and gas activity. And so it's yeah. not, it's not, and so I get it. I get it. Hey, that's what that's what they're saying it is, but it's, it's almost kind of silly because it's like, wait, hold on, there's no other threats to air pollution anywhere else in the world uh but but where this is at and so you know it's i don't know man it's it's, it's one of these things where um i think you pointed out the, there's only five case studies in the report um you know yeah, I mean, you, gotta, you gotta you gotta ask yourself questions i mean paper mills uh, uh i mean different different sites like that where it's not necessarily oil and gas based it should be I mean, there's different pollutions all around the world what i'm saying is this it seems disingenuous to me it seems disingenuous, and it doesn't seem like. And listen, I'm not. I don't think Josh and I are the people to answer the objections here. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if you want to put this report out and you want to be considered someone who's fair and critical, these are the types of things that you have to answer. And you might answer those questions and still come to the same conclusions 
it's just not in the piece. And so I don't know how I think that's as fair as we can possibly be. You could yeah. answer the questions and turn out that 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 these things are what's causing this. It could be. It could be. But do that work so then you can have people in industry going, Okay, you know what, we can work with you here. But it feels like it's anti industry. And man, you know, all the stuff that you that you live and breathe and, you know, function around it comes from oil and gas. So if you want to restrict the industry, you want to suppress its growth, before you do that realize the impact that's going to have on you as someone who hates the industry, which is super important as someone who runs an online, or I don't know if the Texas Observer's in print or not, but this is online we're looking at. I have a magazine, so I guess it's in print. So we're, the print, how do you think they cut them trees down? Like, those are diesel-powered things, that cut uh, machines that cut down the trees. How do you think those tires are made? How do you think that equipment, that plastic, you know, you run a business that's dependent. We all run businesses that are dependent on oil and gas. So before you say, let's shut it down, or let's really roll back, or let's really make it difficult, um, let's be careful we know what we're doing. And again, if they are, if it's killing people, then that's fine. Let's let's call them out. I think we've been as consistent as we can be on that. I would love to hear the audience's thoughts on this. Ryan at GlobalEnergyMedia.com. Send me an email. What do you think? Are Josh and I crazy on this? Are we being fair? <laughs> and that's the big thing for me, Josh. I'm just trying to be fair on this. I, yeah. I'm, trying to be, I'm trying to be more fair than I think the author is. I, and that's and that's what's so frustrating is just be fair. Yeah, that, that's all I'm, I'm wanting as well. You know, I'm, I'm fine with having a difference of opinions or, or uh, and being, being willing to look at you know the case that – I can make, and I think that's I think that plays a very valuable place. But it requires both sides actually want to present the truth rather than just convince people of their side, regardless of what's actually true. That's that's been the the frustrating thing for me. Yeah, and well, I mean it, the final thing is Josh is you know I mean I don't we don't talk much about extracurricular stuff on here, but I mean as far as humanitarian things go, those are very important to me. So I, I think that sometimes. People act like oil and gas industry don't care about um, humanitarian things, but you know you know some of the stuff that I've done, Josh. And I don't want to get on the show here, but so I'll make it very clear: it's not that we're that, that there's anything other than what's the truth. Let's get to the bottom of that, and let's you know we have to take care of people. And if we come to the conclusion, let's just leave it here. If we come to the conclusion that this is what's you know this is making people sick or killing people potentially or whatever the case is, then there's a second question there. And the second question, it doesn't mean you shut it down because then you kill everyone else because you know, if you shut down oil and gas, the, you know, we go to the Stone Ages. So the, the second question is, is what do we do then? And, and to me, it feels like these pieces leave you with, um, hey, this is terrible. Figure it out. It's like, well, okay, if it is right, what do we do? Like, do we pay, do oil and gas companies need to pay for these people to be relocated? What if they don't want to be relocated? Do, you know, so there's, there's a myriad of questions I think that have to be answered if this type of evidence is true. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Ron, uh, we're in the Texas Roundup uh, for the show where we cover some different news that's been breaking around the Texas um, you know, oil and gas market. We like to give information about you know, mergers, acquisitions, new purchases, uh, developments that may uh, you know, have job openings or give you some insights into, into the economy or into the overall market in the area. Ryan, there's been a lot of things coming out this week. Uh, the first thing is uh, some permits. They, uh, the EIA came out on July the 16th, and so there's a couple of articles that I'm going to link to in the show notes just detailing uh, what the second quarter is is looking like and, and the, the results they have. The, this article is from Kalanesh Energy. It says Texas completion permits increased 44% in 2018. So uh, this is uh, completion permits. I think overall the drilling permits were a little down, but the completion permits were, were up. Um, 
Brian, we have uh, Permian Oil and Natural Gas Production Continues to Grow. This is a four article that I'm going to link in the show notes. This is pulling directly from the EIA Drilling Productivity Report. Uh, so I'm not going to go dig into all these numbers and, and go over all that. But I will link to it in the show notes for anybody that wants to go in and look and check those numbers out. Uh, offshore Texas oil terminal uh, could load Asia, Europe-bound Europe VLCCs. Uh, so this is an article I'm going to link where some offshore Texas ports are trying to connect with Asia and Europe. Uh, so this is something to keep an eye out for. It may bring some opportunities um, in the market. Ryan, we have another one, Concho Resource. Uh, it's Texas-based oil and gas company. Concho Resource has completed its acquisition of rival RSP Permian in an all-stock deal. Uh, um, so this is something that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Uh, the chairman, the CEO, said we're excited to complete this transaction and welcome the RSP team to Concho by combining two great companies focused on the high-quality resources in the Permian Basin. We're creating a compelling enterprise with scale and technical expertise necessary to compete globally. So we'll link this in the notes. Um, there was a, a article that came out that I wasn't uh, necessarily aware of this, Ron. There was a, a Trans-Canada pipeline that was supposed to open 700 days ago. It was based out of Mexico, but it was supposed to help relieve some of the Permian glut that we have. And it oh, actually opened up Monday. It was a $1.2 billion pipeline. It's 348 miles. It is live as of Monday. Um, I'm not sure how accessible it is for some of these Texas companies, but it is servicing the Permian. So uh, something to keep an eye out for. This is a Trans-Canada um, Trans Canada pipeline. I'll link to that in the show notes. And uh, one last thing, Ron, we have uh, Kinder Morgan. They have a dividend that you were, you were going to mention. Yeah, and, and really the thing is, um, this, this for the final thing on the roundup is, you know, we are getting to the point where second quarter earnings are coming out. And so you're going to start seeing more and more companies release their second quarter earnings. Um, Kinder Morgan released theirs. Um, and on my LinkedIn page, I did a few comments about just some of the things from the call. I didn't get into all the stuff they discussed, obviously. But, you know, just some, just some interesting stuff. If you think about it from the Texas Roundup, you're in business development. You want to know what's coming on. This is the chance that the C you get to hear from the CEO of these big companies talk about where they were strong, where they were weak, where they think they're going to go. And from a business development standpoint, you know, it's very interesting because, you know, if they say they were weak here and they plan to spend more money on it, you know, in the next quarter or next year or next five years, then you can go, okay, if that's in our business, if that's where we want to try to grow our business out with this company, here is, um, you know, the services that we offer that would, that would work with them. And we now know they're going to do that. On the flip side, you may hear them say, yeah, we're going to slow down. So be sure that you are sitting here, you know, the dividends and stuff you can follow if you, if you're, you know, got stock in them or whatever. But um, from a business development standpoint, you can find, you know, a gold mine of information in these quarterly earnings reports. Awesome. Uh, well, Ryan, I looked at Drilling Info, uh, our sponsor, to get the drilling uh, drilling info this morning. Let's see. We've got so much stuff we've added in. It was 1,122 rig count was the rig count this, uh, this morning. So 1,122. We did have a five-star rating that came in. No review, but a five-star rating did come out uh, this week, Ryan. So shout out to uh, to whoever gave us the review. We really appreciate it. Yep, yep. If you want to be entered to the next drawing, go ahead and get that rating and review into uh, iTunes. 
Um, you have until August the tenth. Well, the, when we record on August the tenth. So. Um, oh, I- any word from our winner? No, uh, we. I have not heard. Asteroid. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. It was Asteroid seven eight nine? There's only one asteroid last of last week. So, asteroid. Um, I think I believe the mark the review is like in uh, April or March, something like that. So, asteroid. If you're listening, right at globalenergymedia.com, um, let us know, and we'll be right. happy to give you your company whatever a shout out. And uh, anyways, so I guess that's it, Josh. There's nothing else on the agenda for today that I can think of. That's it. That's it. Asteroid better get on the ball. He's got three more weeks. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he does. He does. Or I'm gonna go buy me uh, a new PlayStation game, or uh, you know, I don't know, Kindle or something with that fifty dollars. So <laughs> find the find the one who uh, who thinks Josh is the best uh, the best you know yeah, host on, on the show. Send him to, send him to get. That's an, automatic, that's, that's an automatically DQ right there. So, uh, Josh, well, it was good to get back on here for the listeners. Thank you so much. And if you could, take a second, share the show, let people know. We, you know, I, I talked to someone the other day, and they said, you know, um, one of the, they were talking about something, a story we covered, and they heard about it before any of their friends because they listened to the Text One Guys podcast. I'm not, we don't break news on here, obviously, but it is a source. We do appreciate it. Any feedback you have, questions, comments, concerns, as always, we're at globalenergymedia.com. Until next time, keep climbing. Mm-hmm.